How can we share the good news of Jesus with our family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers? Well, today, Renee Dries is gonna challenge us to remember one important part of witnessing. Our response is to speak up and tell others about the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. The reality of this hell bothers me enough to push me out of my comfort zone to talk to others about their eternal future. You're listening to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer. Hey, thanks for listening today. It is going to be a great episode. Today is episode 146, and we're going to get into that later. But before we do, I am super duper excited today. Today, you may have already noticed that we have a amazing sound on our podcast today because we are actually in our brand new studio. You may not even have known this before, but whenever I was saying in our studio today, I actually meant in my bedroom or in our home office or even in one of my kids' bedrooms. It worked, but I'm super excited that we have a brand new studio here at our church, Christ the Word Church. This is the church that supports and sponsors the podcast, Um, and I'm just super excited and thankful to lots of people and especially to God. Our church, Christ the Word, is just outside of Toledo. I just wanted to comment, if you're looking for a church home and you live somewhere around Toledo, Ohio, um, I would love to have you come and join us um, on a Sunday morning at 1030. Um, it'd be a great time for you to be a part of our worship and praise to God and hear an excellent sermon preached on topics that are relevant to what you and I need to hear and that are biblically accurate. So I am grateful for that. You can actually um, follow our podcast that we have for our sermons. Uh, We'll put that in our show notes today. Um, And I think it's just called Christ the Word Sermons. And then you can listen as well throughout the week. All right. Well, let me take you back through our timeline of our podcast today, because here we are in our new studio. We're kind of like starting a new chapter in our podcast. So uh, all the way back in March of 2020, I had a conversation with my dear friend, Wendy Folk. Uh, We had been discussing on the phone that week um, about how hard it is for women during the lockdown. Um, they didn't have resources. They couldn't go to Bible studies. We weren't having activities and events. It couldn't, you couldn't even really go to like the park and hang out with somebody because there was just a lot of concern in the air uh, about the COVID situation. Uh, so as Wendy and I talked that day, we talked a little bit about um, what would be some options. Now, I always, since I was little, wanted to be like a radio disc jockey or a talk show host I would either use my hairbrush as a microphone or the stapler on my desk when I was a little girl and just pretend like I was, you know, like a radio disc, disc jockey or something. Um, anyway, I, sh- I kind of shared this dream of being a part of this, and, and I really shared the dream that I had of putting a podcast together for women at church. It was an idea, and, you know, I didn't know what would happen, and Wendy just encouraged me. Um, she and I brainstormed together. Um, we kind of developed this whole idea of Unshaken that you hear today. It has definitely morphed and changed over the years. We have lots of new things that we're throwing at you, and we'll have more this year. But I really appreciate her encouragement, and I'm thankful for this outlet. Then I actually want to thank a guy who I don't even know. Uh, his name is Rolf Colby. Um, I've never met this man in real life, um, but I actually feel like I know him. (laughs) It's amazing the things you can learn on YouTube. And he put together a channel on his YouTube channel all about how you can create a podcast using an iPad and a GarageBand to record. And um, that's what I use. I use GarageBand. I feel like I'm 14, making like, you know, working, mixing music. Um, But I use it to do our podcast. And I started with very simple projects. I had like 
one microphone that I shared with the person. Anyway, he was helpful to me. I know he's, you know, it's amazing the things you can learn on YouTube. And um, I know that they get paid, but it was really nice to be able to use that in, in the, you know, the privacy of my own home and kind of work through it. I made a lot of goofy podcasts during that time, just being, having fun. Another person that I want to shake, uh, uh, another person I want to thank is my son, Jacob, um, who didn't scoff at my idea and, and actually thought it was kind of cool. Um, he jumped in to help me over the years in multiple ways. Um, he's answered questions. I've been sitting with someone ready to record and I couldn't remember how to get it all set up. And he, I called him. In fact, I remember calling him when he was in class one time and he's like, mom, I'm in class. Um, but he was really helpful to me. Uh, you know, he's done a lot of things. Another thing Jacob has done is our most recent, um, the last two different music pieces that you hear in the background when we start our theme song, so to speak, he, he recorded those. I also want to go back to Rebecca Kepler. You've heard her on the podcast. She started our first recording for our very first, um, song, our, our background piece. Um, so these, these folks are great. Um, I actually picked the theme of the solid rock. It's one of my favorites. Um, because it fits so well with our topic of Unshaken. And I think it is one of my all-time favorite hymns. I'm going to read for you the lyrics because this is actually what this podcast is all about. It's not about me and it's not about the people who've been on. It's about Jesus. And it's about the fact that you and I as women can be unshaken because of God. So here's the song. I'm not singing it for you, but I'm going to read it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And my favorite verse, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. It's our theme song because Jesus is the reason we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Okay, another group of people that I want to thank are all of the women that I've had on the podcast. You may not even realize this, but most of them spend, I'd say, three to five hours working on what they're going to be sharing on the podcast. They're thinking about it. They're writing down notes. They're, you know, looking up resources, studying the Bible, in, you know, reading, maybe reading a book in preparation. I'm not even going to have time to name them all. Just scroll through what we have on our archives and you'll see most of their names. But this podcast really is nothing if it wasn't for those women who are willing to stop what they're doing through their life and come on the podcast and come to something that might seem a little intimidating to sit in front of a big microphone and put headphones on. Um, but they were willing. They're all willing. And I am grateful to each one of them. Many of them shared their fears. And, you know, I know that they had a lot of challenges in the process, but I'm really grateful to every one of our guests. Okay, a couple more thank yous before we kick into our episode today. I want to take a minute to thank a woman who is behind the scenes of the podcast, Mackenzie Bronco. Mackenzie is a wonderful young lady who I have really watched blossom in the Lord over the past four or five years. Mackenzie, I want to thank you. I know you're listening. 
You do a lot of behind the scenes work for us. You upload every episode and make sure that every episode drops at 8 a.m. on Thursday mornings for all of our listeners to be able to listen to. She's also in charge of our part of the social media page, which, by the way, you can find us at Women of the Word on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we always post about things on Thursday related to the podcast, and Mackenzie's doing all of that. Um, she also gets me the analytics a few times a year so that I can see who's listening and where you're listening, which is really exciting. It's really helpful to me, and I am grateful to Mackenzie for all that she does behind the scenes. Okay, one more person I want to thank is um, a, a gentleman named Silas Cruz. And actually, I'm going to pause right here and let you hear Silas yourself. Let me talk for a little bit. Ooh. You try. Welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host. And today I have Silas Cruz on a women's podcast. It's always been my dream to be on, a, <laughs> well, <laughs> to be on Feminology to 101. And <laughs> Feminology 101. <laughs> So here's the thing. I, I thought that was really funny. He is the, um, like, he took over the project of getting this s entire studio put together. Um, he worked with um, Mitchell Brunko, which is, as I mentioned earlier, Mackenzie's husband, and um, Moira Myers and Evangeline Marcus, as they put together this studio and got it all set and ready, Silas trained me on the equipment, which was great, and I got a little clip of him, so I told him I'm putting it on the podcast sometime. Um, but he developed, he created, he constructed this new studio that we're sitting in. You can check out our social media to see what it looks like. I am so thankful. I am so grateful. This is, our sound quality is going to be so much better. And um, it's just really, it just gives us a little more professionalism. And I'm grateful for that because it will make it be a little bit better. You know, we get better each time we do this. And I'm grateful for that. And finally, I, I want to thank the pastors and staff at Christ the Word Church they're really a bunch of amazing people who I love, and they love God, and they've taught me personally so well to love God, uh, especially Nathan Bailey, who I know was the catalyst behind the studio happening. Um, I teased his wife, uh, Aaliyah, that probably he heard her listening to the podcast and thought, ooh, we got to get that sound better. <laughs> but I am grateful, and he was probably the one who approved all the material to be purchased and gave direction um, to get this done. So we got to stop sometimes and thank people. Um, I really do because this is, I'm not doing this in isolation. This ministry of the podcast is something that is exciting and it's fun and I love being the voice for it, but it is definitely something that is a joint effort. And God has blessed us at Christ the Word with people who are willing to put effort in and do things and serve him in ways that are new and inventive. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, I also want to thank all of you, our listeners today, because see, it, a podcast is only as good as people who actually want to listen to it. And so I'm grateful for you who listen. I am grateful to you when an episode hits you that you share it on your social media, which, by the way, is super helpful to us. I'm grateful when you subscribe because the more subscribers we have, um, what happens is our podcast gets bumped into the little strip at the bottom of your podcast that says other podcasts you might like. And someone might see that. So um, make sure that you do subscribe on whatever avenue you use. And even if you don't listen to us um, you know, maybe you listen through Spotify, which doesn't have subscribers. Um, it is really helpful to us if you just subscribe wherever. Um, I am so grateful for that, and I'm thankful for each one of you. So today, my challenge for you, before we jump into our actual topic of the day, is to encourage you to go thank somebody that's doing something in ministry. Go out and find someone that is working and serving God. 
it's always, you know, it's like I said earlier, I don't do this in isolation. Um, and it is true in ministry. We shouldn't be serving in ministry in isolation. Really. We should be serving with others and there's always people connected to us. So take a minute and thank somebody. Maybe it is the person who, um, has organized your Bible study or lead your study or the person who hosts your study, you know, like they do that every week. That's hard. And it's time consuming. Thank them for that work. Thank uh, the pastor's wives in your church or the women's ministry leaders. Um, thank the girl who is um, talking to other girls at church, and you see that she's doing that. Thank her for the work she does in being welcoming. Um, when someone does the dishes after an event at church, thank them. I, I think thank yous are huge, and I think in some ways it is easy to forget. So my challenge to you today is to be thankful and to thank people around you. Um, I would love to hear from you. If you want to reach out to me, you can do that through our social media page, um, through a direct message, or you can reach out to me through our um, email, which is unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. Those are always in our show notes. And I would love to hear about things that have encouraged you because that is actually encouraging to me. So Without further ado, and after all of that conversation and me talking for a long time, I'm not going to talk very much anymore. I'm going to introduce to you our next episode. So welcome to episode 146. The title is A Heart for the Lost. Now, when I was four or five years old, I attended an after-school Bible club at my school. My mom and three or maybe four other women led this after-school club. It happened on Tuesdays. I still remember this. I think my mom actually led this club for over 30 years. She even still occasionally gets people who come to her and say, hey, you were our Bible club, our, our Bible club teacher. And she, you know, you taught me this spiritual lesson um, that they had learned in kids club. Uh, it was actually really impactful to me because it is actually where I can say that I understood for the first time I was a sinner. I remember that this is going to sound crazy, but I was probably five or six. I remember understanding standing in the lesson and understanding that I, that I was a sinner, that my sin was wrong. Um, and I needed to fix that somehow. And I didn't understand this on some amazing adult intellectual level, right? No theology included really, but I knew Jesus was the way. And because this was taught in this kids club, I also remember standing underneath this gigantic painted giraffe on the wall of the gym that we used at the elementary school with Mrs. Gensler. And Mrs. Gensler was one of the ladies that helped with my mom. I think my mom used her guitar and sang songs and Mrs. Gensler did the craft or something. I don't really remember, did the snack. But she was there and she prayed with me that day. And my prayer was really simple. It was, you know, I'm sorry, Lord, for my sin. For me, that sin was, you know, disobeying my mom and dad or, you know, lying to a teacher or something, you know. Um, and um, which is sin, by the way, that is truly sin. But, you know, I didn't have some vast, huge thing. But I just prayed, Lord, forgive me of my sin and be the savior of my life. And that was really the beginning of my lifelong journey to know God and to grow in Christ. And it all started with this little simple after-school Bible club for children led by a group of average moms. <laughs> and actually today we're going to be chit-chatting all about the different avenues that you and I can have as we look around us and see many people who are lost, who do not know Jesus, and how we can share about Jesus with them. Uh, I thought about who to bring on, and I have the exact right person to bring on today because she has a um, heart that is six sizes too big. Isn't that like from what's the what's the movie with uh, the Grinch? He, his heart is six, three sizes too small. Hers is huge. Her heart is huge for the lost, and it's my friend Renee Dries. Renee, I'm so glad you're with us today. Oh, hi, Julie. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. 
And I didn't know that your mom hosted a kids club. That's pretty cool. And no wonder you hosted one, too. And may your children have one, too. Yeah. I'm not done. I didn't. I The last kids club I did was right before COVID hit. And then everything kind of closed down in the schools for a while. So we had to be creative. In fact, we know someone in our church who wanted to keep her kids club going. So she made videos that were pretty intense yes. to keep teaching kids about it while they were gone. So there, you got to be creative. But I'm, yes. I'm going to head back to do that uh, next year is my goal. So uh, hopefully our school will open back up. Okay. Before we jump into our podcast episode on this topic of reaching out to those around us for the sake of the gospel, uh, Renee, tell me a little bit about your family. I'm uh, married. I have eight children. Three are adopted. I have homeschooled for many years, but now my children are in school. The youngest is in second grade. I also have two grandchildren, and I hope for many more. Yeah, grandchildren are sure fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, when I was a little girl, uh, I... I loved playing make-believe. I mean, I wanted to be a talk show host and have a microphone and a headphone. I thought that'd be really cool. But I used to take the chairs from our kitchen table and line them up in my living room like an airplane. I would pretend like I was a stewardess and we would get people snacks and drinks. And almost every time our plane would have really bad turbulence and, you know, all the stuffed animals would go flying. I mean, it was just really fun. I, I, and we even um, had a, even when I had friends over, that's what we would play is airplane. I, I thought that would be really cool. I didn't. I don't know if you ever played games like this, but I'm really excited because I actually have someone in the studio today who is a stewardess. <laughs> she doesn't just actually play one. She actually is one. So why did you even want to be a stewardess? Um, I guess you could say that it was my love for children. I used to have a lot of babysitting jobs when I was young, and um, I made $1 an hour. Oh, boy. Some <laughs> of you may remember that, right? But um, I babysat for a neighbor who had three children, and she was a flight attendant for Eastern Airlines, and she was so classy. She had the black bobbed hair and the shiny red nails, Mm. and that's when I decided I wanted to be a flight attendant. That's interesting. I love that. Do we still call a flight attendant is not called a stewardess anymore? No, no. That's not politically correct. No. Okay, (laughs) a flight attendant. And you can, flight attendants do, can be men and women, either one. Yes. Yeah, and that happens. Yes. Do they still have rules about size? Um, no. Okay, they've lost that. Because I remember that was like a big, you had to be a certain weight or a certain, th- you know. And you also had height requirements. Height. Oh, that's interesting. For the overhead bins. Oh, you had to be so tall. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know mm-hmm. that. Well, I would have that. I wouldn't have the weight requirement. <laughs> but anyway. All right, what are some benefits that you have found to being a flight attendant? Well, besides financial, my um, parents and my kids have uh, the ability to fly for free. Wow. For life or just when you're working? Um, yeah. So when my tild- children turn 24, their passes are still there, but they're lessened. And, okay. But yes, my, um, my parents fly for free too. Um, I've also visited many places that I would have never have seen. Wow. And I've had many opportunities to share my faith. Wow. So what are some of the cool places you've been? Um, in my early years of flying, I spent one fall going to uh, Grand Cayman every weekend. And um, one time while I was swimming in there, uh, this lagoon-type pool in the Ramada Treasure Island, I saw the biggest moon I had ever seen. Hmm. It was the fall, and we were, you know, of course, down towards the equator. Yes. It was beautiful. It wow. was incredible. Um, I've also um, stood inside of Gandhi's house and... I was thinking to myself, I couldn't believe that I was there. Wow. I've taken pictures of glaciers in Alaska. 
the Pearl Tower in Shanghai, and of course the majestic Golden Gate Bridge. So it's it has been pretty neat. Wow, that is really cool. And what's interesting is you continue to do this. Yes. And you do this just a little bit. Yes. Yes. And so you keep in it. You can travel on a weekend. That's interesting to think about. Like you could travel to Gandhi's house in a weekend and then come back. Yes. Or well, maybe even in a flight, day. But, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not in a day. But okay. All right. So you make me want to change careers okay. to not be a podcast host and instead go and be a, you know, a flight attendant. Okay. Back to what we need to really talk about okay. today. But that's really fun. It's cool because you have um, this idea that you have of being able to be uh, flight attendant, you get to see a lot of different people mm-hmm. all over the world. And that really fits in well with our topic today because we're going to talk about how we can share the gospel with people all over the world. Mm-hmm. Like if you are listening and you know, you're listening in another country, y- people in your country need to hear about Jesus. Yeah. And if you're listening in the United States, wherever you are, we need that too. You know, people here do. So let's just start with some basic questions Um, As I said earlier, the title for the episode is A Heart for the Lost. So let's start with the question, who is even the lost? How do we even know who the lost is? When I think of the lost, I think of a picture that I saw on a bulletin um, from a church. This has been about 10 years ago. I still have this picture today. Um, The picture is of an ocean, and there's stormy seas and dark skies, And in the middle of the water, there's this huge rocky area with a wooden platform. And on the platform, there are people going about their daily activities. One is practicing the guitar. One is painting a picture on Mm. an easel. One is a businessman talking with a customer. And then there's also a young couple sitting there talking closely, looking at each other. Mm. Just average people doing average things. But then all around them in the water, there are people. There is a lady tipping her head back, trying to get air. There are people trying to swim. There are some reaching up their arms in search of help. There's a a man who is floating because he has drowned, Mm -hmm. and um, his face was down in the water. And to me, these are the lost people. They're the ones that do not know the Lord as their Savior. Mm -hmm. They think that they're good enough to get to heaven, but they are not. None of us are good enough to get to heaven Okay, so that that really that's a quite a picture, honestly, yes. to envision in our minds, and it makes me think as you've brought up the topic of the gospel, what actually is the gospel? Because if we can't get to he- if we're not good enough to get to heaven, in our own terms, what does that mean? Well, first, I think it's realizing that none of us are good enough. Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and also there is none righteous, not even one. So the Bible says God must punish this sin, and the punishment is for us to be separated from him forever in a terrible place of suffering. Mm. But God's love for us is great. It's so great that he sent his son to die for us on the cross. Many know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 says... Which is a lesser-known verse. Yes, but important to it. It says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Hmm. So it is not the good things that we do that saves us. It is through the sacrifice of Jesus that we are given salvation if we call out to God in repentance and believe. 
And um, John 1.12, I wanted to include, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So this is hope for us. Um, what would we do without the gospel? Yeah, that's great. I love how you brought us to scripture because there are lots of verses in the Bible mm-hmm. that help us. These are just a couple, but there are so many that direct us that it is not what we do, that it is the gift that God has given to us of salvation. And your key in there was repentance. Mm-hmm. That was one of the words you used, and I, I think that's really important to remember. It is us really repenting of that sin. Mm-hmm. So so really our goal today is to talk about witnessing, and it's kind of a big word, and everybody has their views of what witnessing is and what it looks like. So um, what is witnessing, and where does it tell us in the Bible that we are called to do this? Well, simply witnessing is just sharing our faith. It's uh, speaking up for Jesus Christ and telling others about his work in our own lives. Hmm. Um, in Mark chapter 16, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who had disbelieved shall be condemned. So if we have any doubt of what we are to be doing, just look at this verse. These are Jesus' words. At this time, Jesus had already been crucified and buried and resurrected. And he had appeared to both the Marys, and now he is speaking to his 11 disciples. It is called the Great Commission. And then Matthew twenty-eight nineteen also says, Go, therefore, and disciple all the nations. So what is our responsibility here? to go and preach the gospel. Where would we be today if someone hadn't told us about Jesus? Hmm. So then whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can people call on him if they have not believed him? And how can they believe in him if they've not heard his message? How can they hear if no one tells them the good news? And that's from Romans 10. Yeah, that's actually just straight up scripture. Yes, if people never hear the gospel, how can they believe? Hmm. This is why we proclaim the Lord and his salvation to others. Hmm, That's good. Yeah, I was thinking in my own life, and Renee, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, I was thinking about how God used that kids club in my life. And I'm sure that, you know, my mom was a believer and she spoke to me about Jesus, but that particular moment was when God opened my eyes. And we don't know when that moment is, right? So. But we all, you know, if you are really a believer, you can kind of think back. Some people would say that they didn't have like a moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, they didn't have like one thing like I would say. Right. And that's okay too. Right. You know, there's, there's sometimes it's more of a progression mm-hmm. where our eyes are opened. But there is, there has to be a change. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so who are some of the people that we should witness? Does the Bible give us specifics about this? Um, well, yes, I found, um, I found um, that Paul wrote to the Church of Rome about his desire to see Christ preached where Christ has not been named and where people haven't heard. Hmm. So his motivation was to tell the outside world, the Gentiles, about salvation through Jesus Christ. So that is an example to us. We are to tell the outside world about salvation. This would include telling all people, regardless of the race, age, demographics, and economic background. Yeah. The gospel is for anyone. Mm-hmm. Knowing Jesus is for anyone. It's not, it's not, um, there's no limits in regard to what you said, race, age, mm-hmm. you know, your economic background. So, you know, Renee, sometimes when I think of witnessing, I think of people, 
standing on the street corner with some sign, right? Mm -hmm. Or even people speaking loudly in groups, you know, reciting verses from the Bible and telling people, you need to repent. So is this what kind of witnessing you're talking about? And what do you do? What do you think about these sorts of situations? You know, is this the way we're supposed to witness? Is this the only way? Mm -hmm. Or is this even a good way? Um, that's a good question. I think God uses all sorts of ways to bring people to himself. And as far as the speaker on the corner, if that speaker is accurately presenting the gospel and doing it in a humble and loving way, then I admire the courage that speaker has. Their boldness can be encouraging to other believers, and that was the case for me. And it can cause unbelievers to be aware of their need for Christ. Um, in contrast, sometimes it takes years and years of investing in a friendship before you see that person come to know the Lord. Sometimes it could be just one conversation. So there's no specifics in that. Just we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Right. You're right. Um, God saves a sinner. The Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So God in his mercy does the saving. We just need to tell others the good news of the gospel. Hmm. When we witness, we are being obedient to Jesus's command to go, therefore, and make disciples. So, so being obedient doesn't mean that we have to see results right then. Right. Yeah, that's important. I actually love um, the story that I heard about a woman named Rosaria Butterfield. And Rosaria, in her salvation story, she has a book called The Confessions of an Unlikely Convert. And she also has another book that I think is great called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. But her idea is really the idea that she was a very far from God. Well, anyone who is not following God is far from God, right? And um, she lived a, a different life. She lived as, the, as a lesbian, and she lived in a world that was very different. And it was the on her street, she met a gentleman. He was a pastor, and she told him, uh, got to start having a conversation, and it took I think it was a couple of years of her going to his house for dinner and asking very hard questions because her experience with Christianity was not what she, you know, she just didn't look at it positively. So if you want to read a great book, read Confessions of an Unlikely Convert because um, that is a great example that we do not know how God's going to work. I also was going to uh, comment, I know I'm not here to interview myself, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's important to have a balanced approach I think it's easy to think there's one right way to witness, um, but as you and I just talked, God is the one who changes hearts. Um, this is good for two reasons. Number one, it actually takes the burdens off of us to some degree. It's not about the exact approach that we take. That means that if we didn't, oh, I forgot to say that sentence, you know, the person didn't come to know the Lord, it's my fault. It's not. Um, and number two, number two, it doesn't remove the responsibility, though. Like, we still have to share the gospel with others. Um, it does allow us to be comfortable knowing that we don't have to do it in this exact way. You know, that's why I love this example of Rosaria Butterfield, because she was far from God, but God just used a normal, natural situation, and he opened up her spiritual eyes, which is what I pray for many people, right. that God opens their eyes. Okay, so what are some practical ways that we can share about Jesus with our family and friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and all the people in our life? Mm -hmm. I want some specifics, so... Um, well, I would suggest that you start with prayer. Mm. I have seen immediate answers when I've asked God for help when talking to others about my faith or really about their lack of faith. I've also asked God to just give me the opportunity that day to speak to someone. 
So if you're not doing this, please do it. Pray and ask God for a specific opportunity to share your faith. Yeah, whenever I pray that, God yeah. God delivers. <laughs> Usually I do have yeah. a chance to speak. So yeah. let, me, let me just divide it into the group. So what about family? Um, okay, so with your family, I'm sure um, many of you can relate to this. You have a person or maybe more than one person in your family who does not love the Lord. You know the heartbreak that goes with this, but many would agree that it's difficult to witness to a family member for many reasons. So sharing the gospel should be a natural part of our conversation with them, but often it isn't. Mm. So making natural conversations yes. that come up and praying. We're going to go back to that. Start with prayer when you're going to a family event. Okay, how about friends? Uh, practical ways to share about Jesus would include giving them a book that brought growth in your own life forwarding a message or a podcast. I've even forwarded a post from Instagram. Mm. Inviting the friend to the women's conference or maybe a special event at church. This can be less intimidating for them than attending church. Yeah. Sometimes sending a card with your thoughts written inside. Uh, if the Holy Spirit gives you an idea, then act on that. Yeah. Yeah, your, the key word is act. Yeah. Like we've got to do that. Okay, what about neighbors? Neighbors, showing love in tangible ways, like offering tables and chairs when they are hosting a party, or taking food when a neighbor is sick or just had a baby, bringing in their garbage cans. Look for things to text them about, power outages, the new neighbor's names, or did they find their dog? I'm sure that all of you have ways that you love your neighbor. Yeah, I do, I do think that that's such a good point that you said, is look for things to connect with them mm -hmm. about. Because... I think we live in our little houses and we often don't do that. We just, and so then we wonder why we can't share the gospel or witness to our neighbors because yeah. we don't really know them, you know? Yeah. That's a really good point, Renee. Okay. What about coworkers, which kind of are our neighbors if we're mm -hmm. working in the same office every day, you know? Um, yes. Recently I had um, the opportunity to talk to a coworker about, well, where he would go after he died. Ooh, wow. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. And before I tell you his answer, I wanted to speak about all the ways that God gave me this opportunity. Um, first of all, it was an unusually turbulent flight. So we spent quite a bit of time sitting down with our seatbelts on. And then second, this plane, this particular plane, had the jump seats right next to each other. What's a jump seat? A jump seat's where we sit for takeoff and landing. Okay. But okay. we also sit if it's turbulent. So we okay. were sitting quite a bit that day. Okay. And I had prayed throughout the day, and I also talked with him throughout the day. We talked about his family in Tennessee. We talked about his family name and the history behind it. Hmm. Um, we talked about how he grew up in a Baptist church um, when he was young. He showed me photos of his beautiful elderly mother. Hmm. He showed me pictures of his sister who was sick and his older brother he showed me pictures of his Michigan home that he shared with his partner. And um, he was introspective, I believe. Um, it, they were good conversations. Hmm. And when we landed, I needed to use the restroom before my drive home. So I ran to the restroom. It was the fastest bathroom stop ever. <laughs> the hand washing was more of a two-second splash with no soap as I ran to catch the bus. Okay, thank you. Thanks for the... Um, <laughs> What is that stuff? Hand sanitizer, yes. right? <laughs> and I was so thankful that I caught that bus and he was on it. 
So God was clearly working because no one else was on the employee bus, not even the rest of our crew. Wow. That never happens. And so I looked at him and I asked him, I said, do you ever think about what will happen to you after you die? And I saw his face and he looked down and he said all the time, he told me he was a good person and that he thought he'd go to heaven. He then mentioned his homosexuality and thought that it would be okay. So my response to him was that we all have sin, that my sin was not any less than his sin. When he heard this, he said, I don't know. He said the Old Testament has a lot to say about homosexuality. And it was so amazing to me that he was no longer defending his sin. He saw himself guilty of it. Wow. So I told him that none of us are good, that we all have sin, and that that sin separates us from God and condemns us. Hmm. He knew that Jesus died on the cross for his sins. It was the greatest sacrifice of love. I asked him if he still had a Bible, and he said yes. And I asked him if he would read Mark which is my favorite gospel. And now I pray for him, and I trust for God to work. Yeah. Unless that person sees their sin, they will never see the need for a Savior to save them from that sin. Hmm. Right. That's so, um, what a great story, and really it's a, a story that's in progress because I'm going to pray that you work with him again, you know, because <laughs> is this someone you work with often? Or well, I've known him for years, okay. but just superficially yeah Mm -hmm. I love that you took the time to talk to him about all the other stuff Mm -hmm. in life so he realized you were not just there to say you are going to hell Mm -hmm. you were there to say I actually care about you you know that's that is so helpful um and I I will pray for him too thank you yeah all right um let's talk about children because that's co-workers Mm -hmm. we talked about family I mean there's lots of things and really I think probably most of these things carry they like cross over you know, into each other, how to go about sharing. But what about children? They need Jesus too. What are some really practical ways to share the gospel of Jesus with the children in their lives? Well, I can't think of a better way than hosting a kids club. (laughs) Think about it. And someone listening may not know exactly what that looks like. Can you give me like a rough, like what does it look like after school? Well, um, after school, you you would need help, but you would um, gather with the other leaders, and um, you have a, a time of snack, which the kids enjoy, and then um, we we do a, a lesson. We read right from the Bible, um, and then they have a, a Bible verse okay. that they memorize, and they get a gumball, nice. a big gumball. If, if they, they, if if they, they memorize it, it okay. yeah, the following week they come back, we give them a card, and then they tell us their verse. And um, if we have time, we play a game. Nice. And they like that. And how long is this time? An hour. That's it? Yeah. That's it. About one hour 15, a week. If you want, yes. Like, how many people can do one hour a week? Yes. That's so easy. And well, you do need people to help. Like, yes. When I, when I did one at the school that, that I was at, I've done a few different ones, a couple different schools, and... Um, I have I found quickly people were willing to help if when they found out it really wasn't that hard. And then they love being there. Yeah. The leaders find it very yep. rewarding. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so so okay, so a kids club is the first way to start. 
Yes, uh, and really, I think it's great that we can even go into the public school with our Bible. Yeah. And in in both of the schools that I've been at, the administration have really appreciated us being there. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's it's great. I um, the kids walk in and they're so excited to be in there, and they'll look at me and they'll tell me it's Kids Club Day, and yeah, I'll smile and I'm, I'll say yes, it is, and. And they're just so excited. And I often ask myself, why Why do I only have one club when there are so many schools that need a kids' club? And there are so many children who don't know the Bible. But then I remember that I need lots of help and people are busy. But really, I am unwilling to step out in faith and just trust God that he would bring the help. So this is a little um, advertisement here today that if you are... Um, connected with a school or live near a school or find a school and do a kids club yes. after school. And I know in our city, <clears throat> we have a great um, group of people that kind of help you go before you talk to the, you know, the administration, approve it, say, Hey, you know, can, can we come in and do a kids club one Tuesday afternoon or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, and that has been awesome. And so your, your city may not have that, but you can just go to the administration. Mm -hmm. You can say, I would like to do this. Um, it'll be after school. We'll clean up. You just do extra work to make sure that it looks even better than when you started. Mm -hmm. And they will love having you come in yes. um, and, of course, pray about it. Yes. That's great. Okay. One thing I do want to mention, though, <clears throat> that I heard a long time ago that I think is really important is that we should not neglect. We need to reach out outside of our churches, but we shouldn't neglect the children that are in our churches. Um, you know, a child who is in church does not mean that they are actually completely clear on the gospel and completely ready to follow God all the rest of their lives. I mean, that's our prayer, but we need to continue to speak the gospel of Jesus to um, our teens, our young adults, our children. Um, so if there is activities at church to be a part of, I say jump in with kids. It's great. Yes. It needs to be something that we're doing even in our churches. Um, and, you know, just because someone's parents follow God doesn't mean their kids will. So we need to be speaking this often. Yeah, that's yes. just a side note. All kids, all kids matter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Why is the whole topic of witnessing to others important? Like, why should we even do this? Um, our Bible study has been reading the parables, and Jesus had much to teach about eternal punishment and eternal life. So we need to follow Jesus' example. He didn't draw people in with the promise of peace and good things in this life. He talked about hell, and we don't like to talk about it, but Jesus talked about it often. Mm -hmm. He talked about hell more than he talked about heaven, and he described it in detail to warn us. Mm. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells of a time when people will be separated into two groups, one entering his presence, the other banished to eternal fire. In our Bible study, we also saw that troubling verse at the end of so many of the parables. It, it said, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is the fate of those who don't know the Lord. And there are so many verses. There's in Luke 16, it talks about the place of eternal torment. And then Mark talks about the unquenchable fire. And Mark 9, 4, 8 it talks about where the worm does not die, which I recently understood the meaning of this. It talks about Matthew 13, 42, where people will gnash their teeth in anguish and regret. 
Matthew 25, 30, Jesus calls hell a place of outer darkness. Hmm. It's hard to read those verses, but our response is to speak up and tell others about the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. The reality of this hell bothers me enough to push me out of my comfort zone to talk to others about their eternal future. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, Renee, when you, I too am studying the parables. It is something we're doing at church with all the women. It's interesting how important it is to remember hell. Because I think we so easily forget about hell and the reality of hell. In fact, um, there are some beliefs out there. I remember listening to someone talk about the different beliefs about hell. And one of them, I thought, well, gosh, that does make that. I could see why people would believe that. And that is that it just, when you die and if you go to hell, then eventually you just burn up. And that's not true. That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. But it's such a way to make a, um, make hell comfortable. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to make hell comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's not. So that is, powerful to read through those passages. I think we'll put those passages in our show notes because you may want to go back and find them and read through them yourself and maybe even post them in your own world somewhere (laughs) so that you remember hell. We need to be doing that. That is a good reminder that we need to be so we share quickly. All right. Um, You know, the Bible talks about um, the elect. Um, Many, (laughs) meaning that there are some people God has just chosen. So one of the verses that I go to is In Ephesians 2, it says, um, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our, trans- our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I think that's important to remember because um, it's just a great verse. just a great whole. Mm -hmm. The book of Ephesians is great. I mean, okay, the Bible is great. (laughs) (laughs) So if God has elected or called us, right? He is, he is the one who starts and regenerates our heart. He's the one who makes us want to follow him. Then if this is true, why do I go witness if God already knows who he's going to choose? It seems like it might be a waste of time. Yes, there are so many verses woven throughout the Bible about God choosing people. And God has worked in my life to finally see the truth about the doctrine of election. But The truth is we don't know who God has chosen, so we witness to all. 2 Peter 3.9 says that God is not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. So we pray, and there is power in that. And I think of the parable in Luke 18 about that pesky widow who wouldn't leave that judge Mm -hmm. alone. She (laughs) repeatedly asked for her request to be honored. So should we. We Hmm. keep praying for that parent or that child or cousin to repent 
and believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's a great to-do right there. That's just a great application. We need to keep praying consistently. That's, that's good. All right. You know, Renee, something that I, I know is out in the world, there's something that people talk about called the social gospel. So I'm going to tell you what the social gospel is. It is a social movement within Protestantism, okay, that aims, and I'm sure it crosses over, but it aims to apply Christian ethics to social problems, especially issues of social justice, such as economic inequality, poverty, alcoholism, crime, racial tension, slums, unclean environments, child labor, lack of unionization, poor schools, and even the dangers of war. And we, we've seen this all throughout, well, all throughout my life, but all the way back, even into the early 20th century um, in the United States and Canada. Is the social gospel the same thing as the biblical gospel? It seems like helping the poor or stopping racial tensions are a good thing, that we should be like, yeah, let's go do these things. You know, what, what should we be aware of in regard to this? Um, no, the social gospel is not the same as the biblical gospel. <clears throat> Helping fighting these social injustices is good, but it's a temporary help. It's needed work, but it's not eternal. We can help a person out of poverty, but unless we point them to Christ, we are not really living out what God has for us to do. So an example that I thought of would be a mission set up to help the homeless. Now, that's a good thing. But unless they're sharing the hope of the gospel, then it, it's just a temporary thing. Right, because there's, there's no change. There's no call to change. There's no call to see your sin. Right. Yeah, that's really, that's really helpful because that really is a big one in our yeah. world. And some, I mean, it crosses over a lot. Um, so can, that makes me think to ask this, can serving others be considered witnessing? And I'm putting quotes around that. Or do we actually have to do more? Like, can I just serve my neighbors and take them food when they have babies and mow their lawn because, you know, it's an older woman? You know, can, can those things count as witnessing? Um, yes, I think we do have to um, show love, but that, that is not all there is to witnessing. I was, um, I have an example. I was thinking of a, a friend that I had, and she um, was from Kids Club, and she took, a, uh, she took an interest in a single mom who had a baby and then also four boys. Ooh, busy. Uh -huh. And she helped this mom get to her job at Payless Shoe Store, and she babysat the children while the mom worked, and she fed the children. And in, in time, it was no surprise to me that this little family started attending church with my friend. This family today is still in her life, and the baby will be seven in two weeks. Wow, that's great. So I think my friend could have invited the single mom to church, but I'm thinking she would not have come. She mm. would have not tried to fit another thing in her schedule. But my friend was willing to help this family. And now look at, look at where it is now. Not every conversion to Christ is like this example. Sometimes it's just one conversation. But we don't know. We don't know the ways of God. So we just follow the Holy Spirit's prompting on it. Hmm. And and that is such a great example of just, you know, uh, serving people in general is good. And I love how you brought in that she didn't just stop at serving her. You know, mm -hmm. she shared the gospel with her. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And serving is beautiful. It gives up, um, 
we give up of ourselves, and it's hard, but it's a natural way to show our love for the Lord and point people to Christ. Mm, that's great. Um, okay, so another question kind of along the same lines. Um, I've also heard the term the political gospel, which sounds a little crazy. You know, it's like I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. Let me show you how to live based on my political party um, or how we speak about this, you know, has to be tied in with the Bible. Like, um, I'm sure that God wants a certain person in charge and he, you know, he would go Republican or he would be Democratic. You know, like, how does this play out? Because sometimes we get kind of caught up in this kind of gospel. Yeah, well, our faith should not be in a political party or a presidential candidate. We know that God ordains these rulers. He is in control. And also, the gospel is about Jesus only, and it's not a political statement. Our political views are not part of the gospel, whether you are a Republican or a Democrat. So I guess if someone's trying to make it Jesus and then this political party or this agenda, then our response should be that Jesus is not a politician. He is our Savior. Yeah, that's really helpful. It's interesting, um, you know, when you get to an election year, I mean, that's everything you hear all the time. (laughs) So it's good to remember that even if our, that God's sovereign over our leaders, Mm -hmm. and we should go back to what you said earlier about praying. We could pray for our leaders. Yes, There's something we can do. (laughs) All right. How can you go about inviting people to church and church-related events? And like, you know, Renee, what if they say no? (laughs) What if they keep saying no? No, I don't want to come, or no, I don't want to come back. How can you stay encouraged to keep asking, or should we just be done and give up? Oh, I say just invite them, and and don't get too worked up about inviting people. I mean, just invite them. And I know many of you are inviting others to church-related events. Um, I've invited my son's girlfriend, a mom-to-mom, like six times, and she still hasn't come. But I don't get discouraged. I continue to pray for her and invite her to things. And I know we all have people that we can invite Uh, I was thinking of the lady who cuts your hair or your brother's girlfriend or your coworker, or your neighbor or the daughter of the lady who cuts your hair (laughs) or the gal at the YMCA or a mom from your kids' sports teams. These are all people that I, I know that we can invite. And you're probably thinking of someone right now. And it's not easy for others to come to a morning worship, but often they're willing to come to a woman's event or a group event like mom to mom. Yeah. I recently, we had a really cool event coming up at church on a Friday evening and I invited, I thought, you know what, this is something that women might be interested in. So I invited eight women from my workplace and, um, well, one of them wasn't from my workplace, but I knew her through the workplace and I invited them and I had six women say, yes, they would come. I was so pumped. That's amazing. It was a bummer. We had bad weather, but at least they said yes, which gave me encouragement and hope that they'll say yes again. Mm-hmm. And some of them, I would say, actually do know Jesus, but some of them don't. And you know what? I love that because you're blending people in there again, you know? So yeah, I, I'm excited and I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to, it gave me encouragement yes. to keep inviting. Yes. yes. Okay. Give me a couple of personal examples of times that you have witnessed, mm-hmm. Renee, and how did it go? Everybody just said, yes, let me become, let me know Jesus, right? Every mm-hmm. single time, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had so many failed attempts. And I, I try not to look back because I know God uses, uses me even when I'm weak. But um, yes, I have pursued friendships with the purpose of pointing them to Christ. 
but then I've never followed through with asking them about their faith, asking them where they thought they would go when they died. So one example I thought of was my, in my first years of Kids Club. I met a single mom, and her name was Meredith, and she had a five-year-old little boy who was cute but not obedient. <laughs> and I love that, that <laughs> added. He was cute, but yeah. So I encouraged Meredith, and I even babysat her son one summer so she could save money. But I never asked her what she thought about where she would go after she died. She knew I was a Christian, so maybe her opinion of Christians changed just a bit because of my care for her. I've also um, became friends with moms from my kids' swim team. And one mom came, she and her son came to our church for quite a while, but I never asked her personally about her eternal future. Hmm. And then there was um, the mom of my first foster baby. I helped her a lot, and I know she trusted me. And I gave her a Bible, but I, looking back, I wish I would have been more bold with her. I've given Bibles to many children. Um, one time, the Bible was returned to me. Ooh. <laughs> the neighbor girl's grandma marched it right back to our home. Oh, wow. <laughs> but you, you can't get discouraged. Yeah. You keep trying. And, you know, um, something interesting about what you just told me is um, in all of those ways, you know, you may have – may. God does not work with just only with one person. He uses lots of people often in people's lives. And so we can't see, right, how God's connecting the dots, but God actually does connect dots all the time. He, he connects people. And it may be that, that um, the mom from the kids' swim team, you know, you became friends with her and she was interested, but maybe down the road she'll remember that, right? And so I think it's good to not feel bad and discouraged mm -hmm. if we didn't do it exactly as we wanted to, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but to just keep going and maybe next time ask the question, where are you going to go when you die or yeah. bring up spiritual things? I, I find it interesting as I talk with people in the world, uh, I think being faithful as a faithful friend to them, often they will come to me. And if I say something like, oh, you know, I'm going to pray for you. Can I pray for you about that? And they'll go, yeah. Yeah, and then the next time something bad goes on, for some reason they think like I have a special <laughs> direction to God, you know, like I have this special connection. And so they go, will you pray for me? Because when you pray, things seem to happen, you know, or something. <laughs> but it opens the door for conversation, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of avenues for that. So I'm, I, I love that you didn't just share success stories yeah. <laughs> because mm -hmm. it's easy to get discouraged. Yes. Okay, now mm -hmm. I want to take a little different direction because there was a time in my life where I went to church on Sundays, and I went to our Awana program on Wednesdays, and my um, I homeschooled my children, and all the people I knew went to church somewhere, and I would say most of those people are truly believers, mm -hmm. and um, I kind of lived in a little bubble. It gets a little easy to get into a church bubble, right? Um, and, you know, so it, it's easy to think, okay, these are the only people, and we got to think about that beyond. So um, I knew I had to purpose to get to know other people. Um, that was a hard time in my life because you know, if you're homeschooling, you really have to put a lot of effort into it. Uh -huh. <laughs> but now yes. my kids go to public school, um, not for the purpose of them getting out to witness, but I do challenge them to witness. It's just what direction our family took. Um, and I work a little part-time job in the real world. Um, so I have connection, but I think it's important for us to talk about how do we actually get to know unsaved people. Yeah. Yeah, um, this point has been huge in my life. Um, I went through a time where I was 
um, bitter because it seemed to me that everyone was in a holy huddle. Ooh. You called it a bubble, I yeah. think. Holy huddle. I want to, I don't want a t-shirt that says that, but that would be really funny. <laughs> uh, they enjoyed each other and they were sisters in Christ, so they should enjoy each other, but I just didn't see any outreach. I didn't see the effort to invest in others that were not like them. And my burden for the lost was heavy. And God must have given me this burden. But my dad was a good example to me. He would get off of work from his job at Jeep, and he would go down to the mission downtown to counsel men, to speak to them about Jesus. He would also help at the food bank in the rough part of town, and he would take my brother and me. Hmm. These are places Jesus would have been. So I couldn't understand why other believers didn't have this burden, and I started to withdraw. Now, I still think we need to be aware of God's call to witness to others, and we still need to put ourselves in places and situations like Jesus did. But thankfully, God has softened my attitude. Hmm. I um, better understand verses in Hebrews, like Hebrews 10, about let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works and not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So it is important to encourage our sisters in Christ. I also know now that many were witnessing. I just didn't see it. Um, and a couple examples of this were, um, are I was talking to my uh, a mom who fosters a child and she has done a beautiful job of loving the bio mom. And now she has a new foster child, and she wants to reach out to this new bio mom, but there has been some barriers there. Hmm. And there's another foster mom, a former foster mom, who has kept in close contact with the bio family, and I'm so thankful for this mm. and for her example. Yeah. And I thought of another woman um, who had lost her son in the fall, and how she has met his friends for breakfast. And I just see her heart for the lost, and it is an encouragement to me. Mm. Yeah, and those are things that, like, nobody even knows. No. <laughs> you know? And that's the thing about witnessing that I think you brought out is we don't always, we can't always see what other people are doing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think we should all examine our life to see if we are following God's command to tell others about the good news. And... How are we involved in outreach? Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question to end with that section because, Renee, that I think we need to evaluate and we need to ask that question. How are we actually involved in outreach? Mm -hmm. where, where, who are we reaching out to? Um, we probably have a whole bunch of people in our life. I actually heard a pastor years ago, I'm talking like 30 years ago, um, preach about sharing the gospel with people. And he said, you need to be consistently visiting the same places. And he challenged us to visit the same stores, the same library, the same post office, and build that familiarity, right? So you become a familiar face, mm -hmm. and then you can um, build a relationship. And over the course of time, you actually do find out about them, and you know what's going on in their life. And then you can, you know, jump in and, and share the gospel with them at the right time, you know? And so I loved that. He, he told the he told, told, can't even speak today, but he told the story of how he would watch out the window of his house on garbage day because he lived in, in, a, in a neighborhood where they, people didn't come out of their houses very often. Uh -huh. And he would watch, and his neighbor would start to bring his garbage out, and my 
pastor, this is years ago, would grab that garbage can and be out to the street so he could have a connection. Mm -hmm. He looked for ways to Mm -hmm. share. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's really important for us to do. Uh, Really good. Okay. You know, Renee, um, have you ever heard the cliche, get on the bandwagon? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So the origins of this expression can be broken into two components. Um, One is bandwagon. Um, Phineas T. Barnum, also known as P.T. Barnum, was a famous circus owner and showman. He was the one who created the term bandwagon. And it was to describe these wagons that would transport um, a circus band. Um, And in his autobiography, um, Life of P.T. Barnum, written in 1855, so a long time ago, he used that term for the first time. So the circuses would entice crowds by putting on a spectacular procession through town, um, complete with a lavishly painted bandwagon, taking lessons from this. Politicians started using bandwagons in electoral campaigns in the late 1800s. And at one point in time, the phrase jump on the bandwagon used to imply showing allegiance to a politician. However, I don't really know where the meaning changed from a figurative one to the one to how we use it today, you know. But in his letters written in 1899, Theodore Roosevelt made a clear reference to this practice. He said, once, when I once became sure of one majority, they tumbled over each other to get aboard the bandwagon. Now, at the beginning of the year, we did, um, we did a goal episode. Actually, this would have been the end of 2022. We did a goal episode, and I talked with Wendy Folk, and we talked about something, and I called them bandwagon goals. And I said, you know, how easy it is for us to think, if I'm going to go running every day, everyone around me needs to be running every day, right? Or if I'm going to, um, you know, downsize my, you know, my basement and organize it this year, then I'm going to, I'm looking around thinking, why are people not doing that? So that's like a bandwagon. And we talked about how this, this can, it's okay to do those things, but it can kind of get us into an idea that becomes, you know, like a little prideful. Like, you know, why are you not doing it the way I'm doing it, right? And um, so... I'm thinking about witnessing and bandwagon. So how do we all need to get on the bandwagon of, wis- of witnessing, and how can we maybe be on different wagons? <laughs> I don't know. That might be a stupid question. Like, do we really all have to witness in the same way? Like, do we all need to go do kids' clubs? Like, is that what the Bible says? Or, or should we, do we have to do street witnessing? Sometimes it's easy to fall into that trap. What do you think? I think that there are many ways to witness. So I think you need to consider what the Lord has for you. And be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting in your life. Hmm, that's really good. Um, I know it's easy to compare uh, ourselves to others. Um, we might think our home is better or, you know, the meal I made is better, right? My kids participate in, in whatever that event is and yours don't, you know, or whatever. You know, we just really do this, and I think it's easy to get into the comparing when it comes to witnessing. So how can we fight this urge to compare you know, sometimes and even compare both our witnessing and the results that come. You know, like if you invited women to church events and two have come and then when I invite two and, you know, they come and they bring friends, does that make me a better witnesser? Is a witnesser even a word? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No, I don't think that makes anyone better. I, we just need to follow God's command to preach the gospel. And God does the work in the person's heart. Yeah. And we need to be careful we don't become prideful in right. it, Right. Right. Yeah, you know, Renee, we've covered so much today. Um, Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your burden for the lost with us and your wisdom. Um, But I want you to end us with a few action steps. I love to-do lists. Mm -hmm. What are things that we could do today or tomorrow to start sharing the good news of Jesus with the lost? Uh, That's such a good question. Um, I think that you could have 
many different answers to this, but I here are a few that I thought of. I um, I would suggest that you think about relationships that you have in your life right now, even the superficial ones, like the grocery store clerk or the post office person. Is there someone that you could be more purposeful with? Mm-hmm. Um, pay attention to them and pray for them. How is the Holy Spirit prompting you? Um, I mailed a note once to my son's friend's ex-girlfriend, and God used that note. She responded to my invitation to come to Bible study, and I was thrilled. So she's she's married now, and she's expecting her first baby soon, mm-hmm. and she and her husband are very involved in our church. Wow. Praise God. Yes. Both of them have brought siblings to church, and... Um, and his friend comes every week now. I've also invited a swim mom from our summer swim team, and she has come, and also a co-worker. And it's just so exciting to have, have women come and read the Bible with you. Also, are you uncomfortable with witnessing? I know I am. I have watched videos from a ministry called Living Waters, Ray Comfort questions strangers about their own life after death. He points out the Ten Commandments to show them their sin. Romans 3.20 says, Wherever, Wherefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is knowledge of sin. So unless a person sees their sin and their future consequences of it, eternal damnation, then they won't see their need for the Savior. So think of Jesus and how he talked to people. He pointed out sin. Repentance and true faith comes when the person realizes his or her need for forgiveness. Hmm. One time, uh, Mr. Comfort asked a college girl about her faith, and it turned out that she had been raised in a Christian home. She was trying not to cry as he talked to her, but it was obvious the Holy Spirit was working in her life. It was powerful. Hmm. Also, uh, do you have verses written down in the front of your Bible or certain verses memorized? Be prepared to give the answer for the faith that is in you. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's so good to think through just some action steps. And what I picked up from all of what you said is do something. Yes. You know, don't just sit by and um, think, oh, well, you know, I should go witnessing, you know, or I should yeah. I should talk to my coworker or whatever. But like just do something. Mm-hmm. Strike up a conversation yeah. and know that it's not always gonna mean someone's life has changed in that moment. It might yeah. take years. We may never see it. But um I also picked up from everything you said today is there's such a underlying piece of prayer. Yeah. Like that you came up with and said that multiple times. Like we need to be praying. Number one, praying for our unsaved family members, coworkers, loved ones, neighbors. But we also need to be praying before we go speak. Yeah. You know, I think that's something that those two are really important that just came out all over what we talked yeah. today. So thank you so much for sharing today. Um, I think it's, I think it's uh, good for us to stop every now and then and kind of rethink through, is this something we're actually doing? Yeah. We can get kind of like in the in the busyness of life and forget. So Renee, would you pray for us today? Lord, we are grateful to come here and talk about a subject that can be difficult. Lord, I thank you for your parables and, and really how profound they are. 
Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who shows us the way of how to talk to others. I'm thankful for how he talked to people who were humble and people who were sinners and needed repentance. Lord, I pray that you will give us the boldness to speak. I pray that you'll give us the eyes to see those who need to hear your truth. We ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And hey, thank you so much for listening today. Um, Join us next week as we are going to be jumping into our fourth installment of 2023 um, on the topic of hope. We're going to be talking with a young lady who um, really has some great things to say about hope and despair. She's had some despairing things in her life. And I think it's going to be great for us to talk through how we can have hope even when things don't go perfect, (laughs) you know? So join us for that next week. And don't forget that when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God until next time.